Thank you for checking out this talk from the Fierce Families Conference that took place back in October of 2023. Our mission for this conference was to put God's design for marriage and family on full display, and then to equip marriages and families to live out God's beautiful design in the context in which he's placed them. So if you'd like to learn more about the Fierce Families Conference, perhaps to attend a conference in the future, or to bring the Fierce Families Conference to your own area, just go to FierceFamilies.com. The indestructible family. Some of you have no idea where I'm going with it. In fact, some of you, given my resume, are probably thinking I'm like urging you to get like body armor, matching sets, his and hers. How adorable. Build a bunker, Constantine wire. That's exactly what I mean. For the next 45 minutes, I want to talk about how to build your family bunker. Machine guns at the parapets. This is going to be lit. It's going to be awesome. No, that's not what I mean. Indestructible family. We're going to get into it. Uh, but I think it would strike you as a bit of an odd title and that families actually are quite fragile, aren't they? At least they seem to be. Anybody that thought families were real strong, all we had to do is look back at COVID and see what that happened. A virus scared everybody and now families can't meet together and then you got different tribes that are breaking out, and these folks are like, oh, it's a scam, and the others are like, you hate everyone and want genocide, you know, and, and now we're not talking, and then there's the vax crowd, and then there's the anti-vax crowd, and you still aren't talking with some of those folks, and families are just breaking up. How many families seem to be going well, and then some type of uh, adultery or a divorce happened? A betrayal. I hear stories all the time. I heard one recently of um, uh, an embezzlement, a fraud within a family. Where they stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from family members. I'm like, man, that that is that's brutal. Uh, I, I've heard of all kinds of families breaking at the seams of relative sisters and brothers not talking for years. Families can be a very, very fragile thing, ripping apart at the seams. Uh, Marriages seem fragile as well. Coldness can creep in and get worse and worse as intimacy dries up. Lies, angers, bitterness from little betrayals, lack of forgiveness. How many of you have some type of a divorce somewhere in your family? Let's see a, a raise of hand. Look around, guys. Look at that. that. That is the brokenness of families. A lot of you feel this. Uh, our earthly families are broken, though, simply because the matter that people are broken. That's why your families are broken. It's not the institution, the family, that, that, that's actually the problem. It's you, and it's me. It's everyone else. We're just a bunch of broken people. And we put it all together, and it's supposed to be this glorious thing, and then it breaks and we wonder, how in the world do you put this back together? I'm from a broken family, and it looks like all of you have brokenness in your family as well. I'd say also for marriage, you know, marriage is an amazing institution. And me and my wife in our 17th year here, uh, we're loving it. But um, we had to find out earlier on that we don't have a lot of marriage problems that wasn't the issue. It was personal problems. My selfishness bumped into her selfishness and created a disaster, right? I talked about yesterday 
an unstoppable force met an immovable object in our own selfish depravity. And we had to just grow as people. It wasn't the marital problems. It was personal problems brought into a marriage. And we do the same thing with a family. The problem is, is you're broken and you need redemption. And our families also are broken and need redemption. Now, there is fantastic news because so far, other than the slight little bunker joke that I made, this has been a bit of a bummer, right? So let, let, let's land on some great news. We're going to find it out in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. I'll read it to you. Here it goes. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Sons. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. So ladies, when you're called a son, own that. Don't, we're not being misgendered here. It's saying you have the rights as sons, meaning like heirs. You get all the property, privilege, title as sons, right? So that's a good thing. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus does something so much cooler than just saving us. And by the way, that'd be enough. Saves us from our sins. Holy cow, that's amazing. But he doesn't just leave us there. He sanctifies us, making us better. He's going to glorify us, making us perfect later. Amazing. Doesn't leave us lost in our depravity. Converts us, saves us, and then does something even more incredible. Realizing that our souls are broken, but so are our family. He adopts us. He adopts us. How beautiful is that for those of us who are broken? You don't have a dad? Yes, you do, child of God. And he's a good father. You can have a good father on earth. Doesn't matter. Your heavenly father is the best one. You lost a spouse? You will marry Jesus forever at the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Your soulmate is Jesus. Did you know that? That's your soulmate forever, who the church collectively married Jesus. You lost a sister. You should be close, but you know what? Something happened. You're not, maybe you were culpable. Maybe you weren't. You don't really know. You lost a sister. And then in doing church, you find, you find new sisters within the family of God. Or a brother. You lost an earthly brother. You guys are not speaking, but you found a brother in the family of God, right? Yo, Ryan, how's it going, buddy? I met Ryan 21 years ago here, and he was best man in my wedding 17 years ago in Georgia. Did y'all know that? This guy, the goofy-looking guy in the back. I called you goofy-looking yesterday. And I have an explanation. It's because he looks goofy. I mean, <laughs> come on, you guys, obviously. It's Buddy Wrights. You're my friend, so I get to insult you and get away with it. Bring it on. <laughs> it's because I'm still a little bitter that I fairly won a book yesterday. 
Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Church, you see this hypocrisy. I don't think I'm going to stand for it. I looked down here because if I'd saw a book, I would have taken it and you wouldn't stop me. Uh, Ryan is a brother to me, uh, a brother that's deeper than flesh and blood even. Uh, this is heavenly family and he'll always be my brother in greener pastures forever because we've been adopted into the family of God which is as brittle and as fragile as your earthly family is, we have joined a new family that is truly indestructible. The family of God forever. You're not alone. You are not orphaned. You are not rejected. You have been adopted into the greatest, most indestructible family ever. So congratulations. Indestructible family. Now, uh, on a personal note, uh, my wife and I were trying to adopt for years, uh, and we looked at all kinds of different cases. Uh, we wanted a, a baby, or and sometimes we were looking at an older, uh, older kid. Sometimes a kid would come with multiple siblings, and we didn't know how we felt about that, but we really felt strongly we were going to adopt. And so we had a guest room in our house, and we had a baby crib set up and all the stuffed animals and the, uh, you know, baby clothes, we were ready. You know, I had all the baby books, weren't we? And uh, we, we were in the systems, and we'd done all the home studies, and we'd paid huge amounts of money and gone through all the hoopla that allows you to be able to uh, ransom a baby from the state. That's what it is. It's just a weird type of human trafficking. So, anyway... It's such a broken system. I've seen it from the inside out. Uh, you know, like, it, it just seems asinine to me. And this is a side note because we definitely need to work in these institutions to redeem the foster care system and the adoption care system. We're trying to pay $60,000 to adopt a gal who comes in. She's homeless, high on meth when she delivers, gives up the baby. And somehow in us trying to get that crack addict baby, it costs us sixty grand. And when the fear of COVID happened, I didn't say COVID, I said the fear of COVID, all the adoption cases that were available evaporated, gone. This would never be reported on the news, so all you have to do, all you could know this by is someone who is there and saw it happen. We were getting cases, baby cases regularly. COVID hit and all the cases disappeared. We went from getting a few cases a week to getting maybe one or two a month. And if you didn't respond in the first few minutes, there was 200 that already jumped on because such demand for babies was out there and the supply had dwindled. What was happening is mothers afraid to go to the hospital instead of seeing their babies out to term and adopting them out, they just murdered their kids. That's what happened during COVID. COVID caused so much more mayhem than you actually know. It caused abortion to skyrocket. And a lot of with the abortion pill that came out as well allowed most abortions that happened to go completely unreported on the radar. Lord knows how many millions of babies every single year are being aborted in the U.S. now. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we will not escape the Lord's judgment for it. Um, we were not able to get a baby. 
uh, for, heart, for years, heartbreaking years, trying to adopt just a baby. Give us a baby. <laughs> you know, at first we were trying to like, all right, we kind of like this and this. After a while, it's like, just like, pulse, baby? Yes, we'll take it. We'll love it forever. We'll adopt it. Uh, ultimately, we, we uh, believe the Lord released us from that, moved us on, and we didn't get that, but uh, we didn't get a baby. However, throughout the agonizing process, we also tried to ad adopt uh, groups of kids from the foster care system. Uh, now, there was vaccine requirements, there was home requirements, uh, there was all kinds of stipulations. You weren't allowed to homeschool these kids uh, if you did it, and so we were like, Oh, firearms in the homes. If you guys know me, I'm like, man, I was way out for that. Uh, you know, but I'll, I'll play a certain amount of Marxist, you know, uh, fancy footwork to be able to placate the state till I get the baby and then I tell them to pound sand later. I'm like, I was ready to play the game a little bit, but I was like a four-time loser. No way the foster care system. And then you got a, some woke social worker that can come in your house anytime to see this kid. And if they don't like what you're doing with your other kid, they can petition to take your biological kids. Because Marxism, uh, anyway, uh, very, very upsetting. But we learned a term throughout our adoption process. And that's when these foster kids going from home to home to home, getting attached to a family and then being ripped away and put into a new family over and over and over. That's the foster care system. They're trying to buy time so that the biological parents can pull their act together, stop shooting up crystal meth, and one day love their baby so that the foster kids jumping through the circuit can then be returned to the biological kids. Foster care system in America is all about returning a baby to the biological parents and everything else shuffling them around. And they don't want you to stay with any certain family, no matter how healthy and no, no matter how happy, because you might get too attached. So here, foster a little bit fall in love, accept them, adopt them, rip away, put somewhere else. That's foster care. Um, what they're looking for, though, when it is to be in an actual adoption in case, is, is they're looking for what the adoption and the foster care system calls their forever family. They're looking for the forever family. And on this note of indestructible family, when I looked, in, I looked deep into the brokenness that was happening in these families, because I just, I just pointed out the brokenness in our own families here. And then I took you to the rest of the world to see the genocide against the unborn that's happening. And then our smallest, most vulnerable little kids in the foster care system, and I say, look at their brokenness. Let us pray on our knees with tears in our eyes for the brokenness that's experienced from our littlest kids, provided they even survive their mother's womb. Most dangerous place to be in America is in your mother's womb. You have a one in four chance of being murdered by your mom. One in four chance in America. Most dangerous place to be in America is in your mother's womb. Um. The world and us are looking for a forever family. And in Christianity, in the adoption that we experience through salvation, we can find that forever family. Uh, I, I want us to lean now into this forever family that we've been adopted into, this indestructible family. And I want to remind us, and I want to expound on two different things. One is it's an old mission with a new destination. 
The old mission uh, still of I've got this new family, but I've also got this old family. I've got actual biological siblings and mom and dad. What of that? What about this new indestructible family? Let's be all about the kingdom of God. And the Bible doesn't allow us to do that. Of like, no, we still have our biological family. So we have an old mission. Let's do biological family stuff. But our new destination is our indestructible family in heaven. And so what we need to do is figure out how in the world are we supposed to juggle this and be able to be good stewards here on earth of our relative families? How are we supposed to spend our time? Uh, I really would like to be a good dad. I really want to do that. I want to be a real good son. I want to be a real good brother. I want to be a real good spouse. I want to take care well of my family. Now, the old mission is care for your earthly family. Typically, that's let's make them great. Now, because I recognize that I have a heavenly family, the whole battlefield shifted, and I don't want greatness for my sons anymore. I want goodness for them. It's a completely shift in desire. Don't make them great. Make them good. And goodness is filled with a greatness the world doesn't know about. Greatness is so overrated. Get goodness. That's the impossible thing. There's plenty of greats. Alexander the Great, Catherine the Great, Peter the Great, uh, Alexander the Great. Did I say that one already? Herod the Great, blah, blah, blah. Great, 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 great. There's only one that was ever good, Jesus. It turns out goodness is far more rare, far more valuable uh, than greatness. Goodness. Let's make our kids good, right? I want to go through some, uh, some of our earthly family uh, pieces. 1 Timothy 5, 8. Some of you already know this, and if you do, give yourself a homeschool high five for knowing it. Some of you will get that later of like, what? Oh, because you're alone in homeschool, so you have to high five. <laughs> there's, no one, there's no one there. Uh, homeschool high five. You're welcome. You're welcome. I know. I'm an idiot. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We have got a stewardship to do with our biological families. Whether you got uh, aging parents that need to be taken care of, or you got special needs uh, uh, siblings, uh, you got an aunt who is now a widow and big bill, whatever is attached to us. In this context, it's taking care of grandparents and widows and kids. It's that. It's here's our earthly family. If you're not taking care of the material needs of that family, you're worse than an unbeliever. You have denied the faith, right? Uh, so I want to unpack that because I, uh, I'm keenly aware of a pastor dad this was a guy I used to know. His dad was a pastor, and he really made his thing about preaching and talking about the eschaton, and he wanted to uh, debate whether Melchizedek was a Christophany, and he was all about the theology. Pastor dad. The problem was is he was a really crappy father. He didn't spend any time with his kids. He didn't make memories with them, and he never bought them anything. He gave presents for Christmas and birthdays, if he remembered the birthdays, that were so dismally bad, I remember roaring with laughter when this guy I knew would tell me the gifts that he had gotten. One year he got an ostrich egg. It's a true story. He was like 10. Do you know how many 10-year-olds want an ostrich egg as their big gift for Christmas? <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe there's one. We are a different breed, homeschoolers, right? <laughs> there's kids being like, whoa, ostrich egg. That's because it's, this kid was a public school student. He didn't want an ostrich egg. He wanted a gaming console, you know? But the homeschool kids, we walked in the Frederick's house yesterday. We're staying with them while we're here uh, visiting. And yesterday after we walked in, us and some friends, we saw their kids on the floor in front of a fire, serenely playing chess. <laughs> and I looked at my friend, I'm like, this has never happened for government school kids. I'm like, it's like a seven and an eight year old. Like this is just serenely playing chess. Little house on the prairie music in the background. <laughs> the Fredericks are killing it. They're killing it. They're doing awesome. Also, let, hey, let, let's not run the risk of that, right? We have real duties here on earth to our real families, and I want to make, make sure that you guys are doing a good job stewarding uh, your earthly families. There's a lot more to being a, a good dad than just praying in the Spirit at all moments. It's absolutely important. We're going to get to that. Uh, but it turns out we have to really do a good job in all the other areas. You're supposed to physically, uh, physically provide for the needs of your kids. Are you well doing that? In Biden's America, don't worry, he's going to fix it all. He told us so recently on CNN. So for you guys who are worried, no sweat. It's totally going awesome. Kamala said so. It'll be great. I don't know how to say her name, and I don't want to know because I'm kind of proud. I have no idea how to pronounce her name. Physical, uh, physical responsibilities. We also have emotional things. It's possible for a dad to be, or a mom, uh, to be real good at providing for the physical needs. You got clothes, you got food, you got water, you got shelter. All right, good, I'm done. And then just check out emotionally. Uh, but to be able to get down on the uh, ground with your kids when they're upset, knowing what that is, talking through issues, teaching them how to deal with conflict and anger, and really being able to listen to your child. Uh, I think about um, earlier today, uh, scripture was shared of do not provoke your children to anger. And there's a lot of kids that are brimming with anger at their parents because their parents didn't actually meet uh, dire needs that they had. The parent could shoot back. I'm like, what? I paid the bills. What do you want from me? I'm like, I wanted you. And you weren't there. Not really. You're in the room and you paid the bills, but you really weren't there. Right? And so a lot of them are enraged by that. It's not that you just did something bad. It's that you didn't do anything at all. You weren't really present. You weren't really there. We have uh, psychological stewarding. You're guarding their minds and looking for that healthy. I love uh, the worship is warfare message that we just heard and how, war, uh, how warfare uh, really goes toward the center of truth and in the mind as well, where we have to really be able uh, to look out for our kids and protect them from dangerous lies uh, that happen in all kinds of different institutions that our kids run into. Uh, all of the movies, how many of you had to really get uh, uh, get protective over the movies and the commercials and the TV shows that your kids watch. When I was growing up, you know, you could set it and forget it much more than now, and you have no idea what your kids are going to watch, even little kids' movies. 
You know, it's got a teddy bear on there. I've got to watch that first. I have no idea what kind of poison has been ferreted in that. I remember uh, recently I watched a, uh, a movie. This was a couple years ago. Recently is, is a relative thing for me. Uh, it was called Smallfoot or Littlefoot. It's about a, do y'all know this movie? It was, it was sheer, utter poison. Never let your kids watch that. It's like literally, it's like a psyop and not a subtle one where it's showing your kids to despise your parents, to shun all authority, and that religion in general categorically is ridiculous, old-fashioned, and stupid. It is the message of the movie. It was extremely upsetting to me. Um, And I I just, lots of things that we need to do to uh, watch out for the needs of our Uh, kids. Social provisions, monitoring carefully who they hang out with as well. Big deal. Uh, Our new mission is the rest of the time that I want to spend. Here, we're wanting to build a heavenly family. And so I want to take care of all those physical, emotional, psychological, social needs of my kids. But that's kind of like the baseline of us as Christians. I'm like, oh, of course do that. Everyone does that. Our problem would be, though, is when we see this new mission, kingdom of God, we forget to invest in some of these other areas. I just shared the story of that guy that I used to know whose dad was so spiritual go get him that he left this others to the wayside. Could it be that in our zeal for the kingdom, we're actually inciting our kids to wrath because we're teaching good Bible and we're bringing them to church and we're around them a lot, but we're really not just simply getting on the floor and playing with them, you know? And so what's happening is in these subtle ways, we are not providing for our kids' basic needs. And in a way, maybe denying the faith and worse than an unbeliever. The unbeliever households have no problem with that. Right? Our focus is also to build a heavenly family. And this is where I really would want to make sure I don't screw up either. Uh, This is the spiritual wellness of our family, and it's built uh, through uh, one thing is simple disciplines. I love the emphasis on uh, worshiping together as a family, singing in the household. My family is terrible at singing. If you're a level, you are a dumpster fire of musical ability. Yeah, we could make a joyful noise, but it also says, uh, sing and play skillfully under the Lord. And that's not in the cards for us. So it's like I'm stuck between these things. Which one I should do, I, I don't know. But I can't be obedient here. I can sing joyfully. I can do a loud, resounding gong. I can do that too. That's, that's what my B minor sounds like. I have no idea. I, I tried to fake a chord. I don't know anything about music. But we're a disaster. I'm like, but I, I think we'll just turn up the music a little louder. Right, baby? Y'all sing all the time. I hear that. I hear that. I remember because I plug up. No, just kidding. Y'all are so wonderful. It is a sweet, sweet thing in our house. And I'm making fun to get y'all laughing and and, uh, take a little bit of break from it. But um, singing in the home, praying regularly, reading Bible together, uh, being hand in hand, thinking about the Lord. We have a a Bible on our table and we travel so much we're never at home to, to do this. But when we're at home, and our Bible's on the table. We'll open up, just read a few sentences. Look at the kids and like, hey, what do you think that means? 
And we'll just hash it out and then we close it. And it's so non-committal. It's such an easy, quick little thing. You're in and out. It doesn't have to be like this huge, grandiose thing. Some of you are like, all right, I'm not doing enough Bible with my kids. So you get like this commentary set. Here's my expositor's New Testament Bible set. We set it all up. Come over here, kids. Do you guys know you don't know Greek? You don't know Greek yet. All right, we'll start with Greek and then we'll move into the coin of like, no, it doesn't need to be this grandiose thing. Just little tiny wins here and there over a big amount of time. It's great memories and, and you're building rhythms and simple disciplines. Somebody sick or hurt, oh, let's pray for them. And then you pray for them. And then the, uh, or your family naturally sees how we go about just a simple life in, in Christ. Uh, our spiritual wellness and we are building our heavenly family uh, by engaging in disciplines. Warfare is something, uh, th this is the one that always sneaks up on me. You know, part of warfare is to convince you that you're not in spiritual warfare. You know, you're like you're angry, ticked off, you and your wife are fighting about something. You have no real idea why. And in the back of your head, it's kind of like, it's probably warfare. And you're like, no, it's not, it's her. <laughs> if, you, if there's a visceral reaction to say it's not warfare, it's totally warfare. Now, it may be also that you're an insufferable, selfish piece of work, you know, and, but it's also, hey, there's some warfare baked in there. And even if you're wrong, let's do some ghost busting anyway and be like, hey, in the name of Jesus, demons depart from us. Ghost busting's a funny, silly thing to say, but I mean, I mean this sincerely. Uh, the enemy despises you. And they're not going to wait for your children to grow up and know how to do spiritual warfare. Dads, that's our domain. Protectors, good, we got alarm systems and AR-15s and locks on our doors and spiritual warfare for days. Praying for our kids, our spouses, ourselves, and our relationships to keep them from the plans and the effect of the enemy who desires the destruction of you and your family. Dads, moms, we got to go to work praying for our kids in the spirit, protecting them. The enemy gives no quarter to children. Remember what I've told you about foster care and, uh, and abortion. The enemy loves murdering kids. They love destroying little children who can't fight back. So spiritual warfare is part of how we provide for the uh, spiritual needs of our kids as we engage in building the heavenly, indestructible family of God. Repentance. Repentance is part of how we also are taking care of the spiritual needs of our kids. Uh, you're just frankly wrong sometimes, and so am I, and your kids need to see you apologize so that they see that's what adults do. Anybody ever have a family member that just never says they're sorry? Just can't remember it. Anybody in this room? Isn't that maddening? And you can't possibly be a Christian and not live a life of repentance. So in keeping with repentance, we're doing good works and we're modeling to our children exactly how we follow Jesus and build this kingdom uh, toward in the indestructible family. Serving. Serving is another fantastic way you can bring the kids involved. We're about to do a family mission trip next month. It's just us, and we're going to serve, and we're excited about that, and we are going to invite our kids into that mission. We've got neighbor kids, or we've got neighbors as well where we're trying to serve, in our co-ops, and in our friends, and in our family. Mainly about the family. Kids learn how to serve, and that is an edifying thing that builds uh, for their spiritual needs.
Last thing I'll say is one of the greatest evangelical tools that we have is our family. And this is the thing. People are broken and their families are broken. So if you have neighbors down the street or people from work that are able to come in and they see your family and it's the most otherworldly alien environment. I'm like, there's no toxicity. The kids aren't just glued to their screens and everyone seems happy and hospitable and loving and kind and we pray before a meal. You would not believe the impact that that can have on someone who's never seen anything like that. They'll see a completely different way to live, and they may never, ever forget about forget it. It's also the church as well, when somebody comes in the midst and sees of like, man, I see nothing but bad news all the time. I'm hassled at work. My home feels like a battle zone as well. Marriage is on the rocks, and then all of a sudden they get around you people on a Sunday morning, and you're singing praises, and you seem happy and excited to see them, and it just rocks them. They can't handle that. There's nothing in life where they are encountering anything like that. So your family and our churches becomes this incredible evangelical tool. And it's not that we're laying out this, this graphical representation of the Romans road with an epic seal the deal altar call with a light stem load and every head bowed and every eye closed. It's not that. It's they, they get around your family and they see, I don't know what you've got, but I want it. I'm clearly missing something. And after inspecting, and after asking, and after befriending you, and after or seeing you long enough, they'll realize that thing isn't a thing at all. It's a person, and his name is Jesus, right? Who's building our indestructible family. In closing, guys, Fortune 500 companies are going to die away. All of them. So bail on those stocks, right? No. Our tall buildings, our monuments, everything that we see and value in our culture, all of our empires fade away. And there's just going to be one thing left, and that's the family of God, the indestructible family of God. All of our institutions of power, all of our world governments, Hollywood will be reduced to nothing, not even a memory in the eyes of eternity future. One institution is going to make it, and that's the family of God, right? We're called to steward our earthly families well, but our new destination is the kingdom of God, the family of God in the future. So it is our job to steward earthly well, but drive everything toward that heavenly family. You've heard amazing talks today uh, and yesterday through great men and women of God uh, urging you guys toward a uh, life of godliness and healthy family and uh, vibrant uh, church service to do life together. And hopefully, as you've been attending this conference, which we're winding down right now, I think I'm the last one, right? I'm the last chat. We're, we're landing the plane without crashing. I like that. Because you're like doubling down on a metaphor. And, then, and, and yeah, crash stuff is pretty cool. Guys are like, yeah, all right. Uh, hopefully, you're uh, leaving encouraged. And you got some action items, too. You've got of like, man, I, I was doing better than I thought in this area, and I really, really need to pursue my wife better. Uh, maybe some of you gals are of like, I love my husband, and I don't know why I do it, but I talk him down. I nag him. I try to get my way, 
and I nag him until he almost blows his lid. I'm like, you need to stop that. You need to stop that. Uh, all of us hopefully have got things that we're walking away with uh, from this conference. And it's my prayer that you would grow in the joy and peace and fellowship of the family of God forever and ever. And we don't wait till heaven to do it. We start working on that precious family right now. Let's pray. King Jesus, we thank you for all that you have given and that you didn't just save our souls, but that you adopted us into your family, that you would call us friends and you would call us brothers and that God the Father would call us sons. And the Holy Spirit would also testify to the effect. You didn't have to save us. We weren't worthy. We didn't deserve anything, but you did it anyway. And as is your way, going exceedingly beyond anything we could have hoped for or imagined, you adopted us as broken, orphan kids into your perfect family. We thank you, we praise you, and I pray a special blessing on every family here that they would be encouraged, that they would be emboldened, that would, they would be missional, that you would protect them from the attacks of the enemy, and you would lay it plain on their hearts and minds what they should be doing and adjusting in their marriage, and that they should be encouraged in the ways that they are following you well and stewarding your greatness. In your name. Amen.